Hello everybody, I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express, and if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's Number One Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out, all the products. That's on redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from t-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. Thanks very much, Ricky. And that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash mid-south moments. Mark Dunderland and Stuart Roberts are back today and we're going to go straight into the May 11th, 1985 episode of Mid-South Wrestling after a classic last week. So Boyd Pierce and Bill Watts are back at the desk today and I can't wait to see what follow-up we have from last week's news bulletin involving Hacksaw Jim Duggan. So Pierce runs through what we have on the show. The Dirty White Boys are here and going up against the Rock and Roll Express. There's round seven of the Mid-South TV title tournament, which is basically the other semi-final. The Freebirds plus Ted DiBiase has returned with his partner, Dr. Death Steve Williams, and they are the new Mid-South Tag Team Champions. So Boyd didn't explain this very well, but I will. Steve Williams and Ted DiBiase beat the Rock and Roll Express for the titles on May 3rd, 1975 in the Sam Houston Coliseum. Um, and this must exist online somewhere. I did a quick search, but I couldn't, I couldn't find it. I'm sure it does. Um, Boyd then added that he wasn't as exuberant as he usually is because something has happened to one of his dear friends. Something has happened to one of your dear friends. And Boyd basically says he can't talk about it, but Bill will. And last week, they interrupted a match for the first time, the news bulletin. It was supposed to be Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Steve Williams this week in the TV title tournament. Both men had great athletic backgrounds and have had lots of classics in the past. And Watts explained, again, that the cameras were there for the NWA covering Ric Flair, who actually beat Kerry Von Erich that night. Um, Watts said that Sc- Watts didn't say that. Um, Watts said that Skandar committed a deadly, premeditated and calculated move and has put Duggan out of wrestling for good. Watts had to check himself here as it seemed like he was almost crying, which I thought fair play to Watts. Um, but then things went a bit downhill after this. Uh, thereafter, as Watts said... It was something that Skandar was prone to do, and he's not sure whether it's because it's because of the part of the country that Skandar comes from, where terrorism is a way of life. Um, Akbar was born Terry Weber in Vernon, Texas, for anyone that didn't know. Um, they then showed extended highlights of the angle with Kamala and Duggan, um, and also obviously the sorry the the match with Kamala and Duggan, and the follow up with Akbar with new commentary over the top from Watts, and they also showed a still frame with a ball of fire, as Watts called it. They played this a few times, including in slow motion, which I thought was a little bit unkind. And Watts said that Duggan's career was over because of a terrorist act. So this is obviously, you know, a massive angle, heavy duty stuff, trying to drive people to the gate for, uh, for, for obviously Duggan's return. Um, Watts said that Duggan was in a burns unit and they're trying to save his eyesight and, that the eyes, and, and also try and save the, the eye as well. Um, Watts said they're not set up to receive the overwhelming number of well-wishing letters in the hospital so they're going to give an address later on where people can get in touch and what's knows that Duggan will want those well wishes Mark welcome back and what did you think of this promo to open the show from Watts uh hello it's good to be back um yeah I, I like uh I like how Bill explains things like this um uh, I did notice on the on the second viewing of this uh angle where I didn't notice it so much last week uh, the timing of the thrown fireball was a bit off, clearly, from Akbar, but certainly not to the extent of some fairly well-known instances like, um, you may remember, Undertaker doing it to Paul Bearer and 
he couldn't get the lighter to light. And um, same thing with Hogan and Warrior in WCW. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, um, having said that, the visual was still very cool, I thought. There was lots of fire. It wasn't just a little spark. And uh, the smoke coming off Hacksaw's hair, it, it all helped. And um, it looked really good. It, uh, something um, Stuart said last week, um, there's certainly been an increase in in violence on the show recently. Last week, we had a guy pile driving a referee and we had um, this angle going down. And it was only a little shortly before that, uh, Ricky Morton was being hanged from uh, the yep. ropes. And yeah, things things are taking a bit of a violent turn and I'm on board with it. Yeah. Um, Stu, what did you make? Well, Stu, welcome back. And also, what did you make of this, uh, this open? <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I loved it. I, I really did. I, I love anything like this. Anything that's got a bit of drama to it and uh, uh, and stuff like that. I like the fight that uh, Bill Watson sort of like brought in that he's had to go to the Mid South Board of Directors and and really, you know, making it a a, a big um, you know a, a, a big deal and stuff like that. Yeah. And it, I, I thought, like Mark said, when they were doing the thing, but I thought the still frame they did still frame, didn't they? And it looked really quite. It, it, yeah. it was. Yeah, it looked great. It looked great as, as, as it can be with getting a fireball in your eye, but how, how they did it and all and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, and I, I'd just be curious to know how many how many letters of condolences that they 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 got. It's almost like uh, I don't want to say it's almost like he, he died, but it was very it was very solemn, wasn't it? And very 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 serious. Oh yeah, especially this follow like follow up in a second. Um, I mean, I reckon they got easy easy high five figures. I reckon. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe more. Um, so what said um, that the power pro wrestling cameras had visited with Duggan and we cut to Jim Ross sitting on the bed in this hospital with Duggan who had a bandage wrapped around the top of his head and a little side bit like a patch over his left eye, um, which I'm not sure was professionally done, but we'll carry on. Uh, Ross said that those that were watching last week had seen one of the most sadistic and premeditated attacks ever committed on another human being. As Duggan lifted up his face, you could see that his entire left cheek was almost was also red. Um, and given this was real fire, I wasn't sure this was legit or makeup, but I thought it looked good, um, especially for sort of 1985 standards. And Ross said that the doctors have said that viewer, the viewers have seen Duggan in his last wrestling match. Duggan said he's sure a lot of people understand that he's been active in athletics his whole life. Professional wrestling is his whole life right now. And after what happened... And talking to doctors, they've said he'll be out of wrestling forever. And the likelihood is that he'll lose the sight in his eye. He said there's a saying that big men shouldn't be scared, but he is scared. He doesn't want to lose his eyesight or lose professional wrestling. He has his faith in God and he'll just have to see. Watts then said it's the saddest thing he's ever seen. And this situation is beyond even his imagination. And he reiterates that there will be an address for cards and well wishes, which appears on the screen a few minutes later. Watts also says that him and the board of directors of Mid-South have terminated the contracts of both Skandar, Akbar and Kamala. And he expects a legal challenge and legal action. So a lot to get through here. I thought the bedside interview with Duggan and Ross, who I, Ross is just brilliant, this sort of stuff, like, throughout his career anything like this with Jim Ross is, is just superb um, I thought this was really great and they sold this superbly Stu what did you think of the promo with Duggan and Ross and also what's his follow yeah. up here yeah like you say uh, Ross is just brilliant at those those sort of like one on one you know getting this, the, the story out um, I like the fact that some of his beard was burnt off as well yes. that, that, was a yeah. nice, that was a nice that was a nice touch um, yeah and it was you, you know for all for all Hacksaw Jim Duggan's all gusto loud and stuff like that. It was actually quite 
interesting to see the, the the vulnerable side, if you know what I mean, which isn't something that you know you see too much with with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Um, you know, um, I thought there was some interesting choice of words. He was in the flower of his youth, and he fought fire with fire. Perhaps I wouldn't have chose those words, having just been burnt with a um, <laughs> a fireball. But um, but yeah, it was like you say, it, it was it was good to see the the, the vulnerable side, um, and um, and and yeah, and, and and again, coming back to Bill Watts, very you know, very solemn in terms of that he's had to cancel, or they've cancelled the contracts and, and and stuff like that. But yeah, I loved the first ten minutes of this show. It was brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's loved it. really good. Uh, Mark, what did you think of this? Yeah, I mean the. The footage where the cut to Hacksaw recovering, it, it was shocking um, in a good way. Sort of like, like Stuart said, half of his beard's completely gone. And although the picture quality is what it is from 1985, you could see that entire left side of his face certainly looked burned and raw. It was very impressive. And, um, you know, Jim Ross and Joel Watts got, the, got the, their tone just right in terms of how serious was, this was. Uh, what a big deal it was. Uh, the only thing I thought, <laughs> um, when Bill Watts said he's terminated Skandor, Akbar's and Kamala's contracts, I thought, if anything, that was a bit harsh on Kamala. He didn't yeah, <laughs> he didn't do anything. Yeah, guilty by association here, I think, Mr. Kamala, wasn't he? And if, uh, if but... you think about it as well, I mean, you know, you're talking 1985, um, you know, is this probably one of the first... You know, like most serious incidents that, that people might have seen in, in 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 that sort of wrestling environment. I'm trying. I was trying to go back and think like, was there been anything really dramatic like that uh, previously and stuff like that? So I think they I think they really did it up well. You know, it was the, the big shock factor, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I'm not sure about use of fire, but I know I know there's been some um, pretty horrific angles in terms of like yeah. stuff over the years. I'll, oh, I'll been... tell you one of the things that, that I, I remember and I and I always vividly remember was um was it outlaw Ron Bass and he he got a uh like um like a oh, sugar of his boot and he was I can't remember what wrestling it was but I always remember on the WWF video it had a big red X it... going across the screen that said censored. Was it British it... Beefcake? It might, yes, it might. Yeah, I think it was. Summer Sam 88, wasn't it? It's on the tape, censored, yeah. Beefcake missed two intercontinental title matches to Summer Slams on the trot because of injury. And I think that the, 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 uh, I'm going to Yeah, he missed out in 88, which is why Warrior got the. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. But did he miss out on 89? I think, I'm I'm sure I've read somewhere that he missed out on two. No, he was in the main event of 89 with Hogan against um, Uh, Macho Man and Zeus but 1990 is when the parasailing ha- uh, yeah. maybe that was it then. accident happened but it was supposed to face like, perfect wasn't it yeah and it has that right. big red cross on it that's censored and, and and you could see Bass like put skewering in with a cowboy spur or something like that so uh, I'm going to google it I'm going to google it it's yeah absolutely I mean I, I was thinking about I mean again in terms of like drama and shocking I'm sure I'm sure there was I'm sure there's probably been quite there's obviously been loads of bad taste resting angles but I think in terms of stuff that I've seen on this show this this is not only tremendously you know dramatic but also the the follow-up you can be you know the use of fire is obviously you're you're, you know it's probably not everyone's cup of tea but I thought that the the follow-up here was was just phenomenal and we got a graphic going into break that said Williams and DiBiase versus the Rockamart Express which actually wasn't the advertised match and on return DiBiase and Williams just stood there with Boyd and Watts 
Watt said that he doubted DiBiase had condolences for Jim Duggan. And DiBiase said the only thing he can say is he's, he, that Duggan is fortunate it wasn't him um, that did it as he had something planned. Ted congratulated Skandar Akbar for getting the job done. And Ted said he couldn't make any money in the area, alluding to the, lo- the, loser, the loss in a loser leaves town match for 30 days. Um, then said he had to travel across the ocean, wrestle foreigners and eat rice for four weeks to earn a living. Um, Watts talked about the conclusion of the tag team title match and the glove that DiBiase put on, which he stressed he had a doctor's note for. We then got a clip from the Sam Houston Coliseum and the concluding moments of the tag team title match and the crowd were electric for the Rock and Roll Express. And this ended with DiBiase drilling Gibson with a loaded glove when he had Williams in a roll-up and Morton was way too slow in trying to make the save and that was it. New tag team champions in Williams and DiBiase. Mark, what did you think of the crowd here uh, and this clip from Houston? Um, yeah, the crowd were noticeably really, really loud. And um, I, I did note that Paul Bosch and Jim Ross on commentary were barely audible. That wasn't due to the crowd. I think that was just poor quality. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I liked how Gibson came in like a house of fire after making the hot tag. Um, he had Dr. Death pinned after a double drop kick, but the referee was distracted by Morton and DiBiase brawling. Um, I, I really enjoyed the the final stretch certainly, and um, and at, at the end there, um, DiBiase had put on his loaded glove and clocked Gibson in the jaw. Doc got the three count, and Ricky Morton was right there, and he could have broke up that pin attempt, but I'm guessing it's because he's a rule abiding babyface. He, yeah. he didn't uh, intervene. He he just hoped Robert was going to kick out. And I don't mind that if they always do that as well. That's quite a nice, quite a nice touch. But yeah, I thought this yeah. was. Um, I, I imagine that it must have been incredible seeing these guys live back at back at that time because there just seems to be this kind of every time. Even the Rock and Roll Express on TV, there seems to be this kind of like frenetic, fast pace. It's almost, almost like Virgil on a cluster at some points, but it doesn't ever quite. They always seem to kind of make it work. I, I just thought this was this was great. Um, Stu, any thoughts on this? Uh, this huge, this this uh, Houston. Um, tag team title switch. Absolutely loved it again. It was great. I love the, um, I love sort of like the Irish whip where they reverse the Irish whip and then they both, um, they both, that, yeah, DBOC and Williams clattered into each other and stuff yeah. like that. But like Mark said, the crowd were rabid. I, I, yeah. I, that's what I put. Crowd were rabid. They were absolutely all over this. Um, I, I, I love DBOC's heel speech at the start of the start of this segment and stuff like that you know um how he was congratulating akbar i loved all that you know and i and i know and and bearing in mind i know we've seen excerpts of wrestling but we're 15 minutes into the show and we've not seen actually a full match yet no yes and, yeah and and it's been gripping stuff all that that first 15 minutes has been some of the best mid-south i've seen i loved it yeah um so yeah 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 great fantastic yeah, this is this is this has been a really really solid couple of you know couple of weeks, and this this episode starts so far certainly. Back to the desk, Watts said that the Rock and Roll Express would do a rematch, and Debiosi said they weren't going to wait six months; they could have their rematch as soon as possible. However, if they didn't win the titles back, they would never wrestle them again. In addition, if they didn't beat the Dirty White Boys later on, then they would they would no longer be the number one contenders. Debiosi then said, as Duggan wasn't there, Williams should win by forfeit. What said he would have a match against a new man, a man that's impressed people in the Mid-South area called the Snowman. DiBiase protested that they already had a tag match signed, but his protest went unheard. And that's, as you said, Stu, 15 minutes of airtime with no in-ring action from Shreveport, which must be a first. But 
absolutely gripping. Um, Stu, any any thoughts on the Debiossi and Williams uh, bit here before we move on? Uh, no, I, yeah, just typical heel champions, aren't they? So, yeah, um, um, uh, yeah no, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, happy with it. Mark, any thoughts before we uh, crack on with the Dirty White Boys versus the Rock and Roll Express? Yeah, just going back a bit earlier in DBS's uh, speech there, he, he said about he spent four weeks in uh, wrestling foreigners. He was in Japan that time. I did took a, take a look at some numbers there, and um, he was wrestling for all Japan. Since he lost, um, since he lost a match, a match to Hacksaw Jim Duggan on March thirtieth at the Superdome, and that specific match was a loser leaves town, coal miners glove on a pole, steel cage tuxedo street fight. Uh, <laughs> so that was some match. And, um, Brilliant. While he was in uh, old Japan, there he wrestled eighteen matches in twenty days. So wow. Was it a uh, champion carnival or something, Mark? Or yeah, something? A, lot of, a lot of those 18 were tag matches. Tag matches, so it was like real real world, uh, not real world tag league, something like that. They used to have a tag team thing that was a big deal in all Japan, like Andre the yeah. Giant and stuff used to be in it before that, didn't they? So That's I'm right. sure that was in that. Who was his partner, actually, do you know? I think he had more than one partner, but it was mostly, it might have been Stan Hansen. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, that rings a bell. Uh, so Dirty White Boys and Rockmark Express up next. Ricky and Robert got a huge reaction. It looked like Ricky had had his hair cut shorter than I'd seen before. And the Irish McNeil Boys Club looked as packed as I'd ever seen it for this. Uh, Dutch Mantel was at ringside watching the action. and seems to be a, a thing he's doing at the moment. There's a huge Go Ricky Go chant as he found himself in trouble against Anthony and then Denton. What said that Morton had cold blue eyes when he was angry, but such soft blue eyes that would melt your heart when he met him normally. <laughs> Um, in one of the most incredible moments I've ever seen in wrestling, the Dirty White Boys tried to attack Morton with a scarf. They held it out to clothesline him and Ricky jumped on the scarf, which propelled both men into one another. Now, all I can say about this is, obviously, wrestling in 1985 was real and wrestling in 2021 is not. And this is the, this is the prime example of it. So, yeah, I, I look forward to having an argument with someone on Twitter in the coming weeks about something they saw on Dynamite that's killed the business. Um, the double drop kick followed and the Rock and Roll Express won this in 4-11. I loved it. Mark, what did you think of this match? Well, Stephen, you know my thoughts on tag team wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Um, late on in this match, Ricky Morton made a comeback. Robert Gibson came in to help him and then it happened. One of my biggest pet peeves in uh -oh, wrestling. Uh-oh, go on. The tag team rules went completely out the window. <laughs> Robert Gibson came in to help his partner who's been double teamed. I've got no issue with that. And the referee tried to get Gibson out of the ring. Definitely no issue with that. That's what he's supposed to do. But Gibson brushed the referee aside, drop kicked one of the dirty white boys. Then along with Ricky double drop kicked the other dirty white boy. And then Robert Gibson, the illegal man, went for the cover and referee Rick Knox, sorry, Cal Fergie, <laughs> counted the pinfall. So the illegal oh, man no. got the three count. Terrible. No excuse for that. It's so funny, isn't it? Because and I and I can't, you know, I can't get too too hard on people on I well, I can actually sometimes, but it's it's interesting. We've all got our red lines, haven't we? And I I, I coined that phrase, I stole I've stolen that from Brexit negotiations, but we've all got our red lines in wrestling, haven't we? And Mark, clearly, you know, you're 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 sometimes I mean sometimes we we talk about um you know, various things and stuff. And sometimes we agree on like a promo and sometimes we don't agree. But the tag team stuff, that I'm oblivious to all that. But now you've said it, I agree with that. That That is annoying. But it's like, 
that's a thing. And like, there's other things that like, really get really annoy me. And it's just like, it's so funny how wrestling fans, you've just got your, you've got your hard and fast things. You just can't, you know, you can't really deal with. Um, Stu, what did you make of this Rock and Roll Express versus Dirty White Boys match? Well, I feel quite proud of myself, actually, because I'm almost, uh, I've been doing these podcasts now and I'm getting used to doing the research and I actually picked up that the wrong person won. So I'm like, oh, yes. Good on you, Jim. Good yes. So I'm, I'm getting into that. I'm getting into the uh, the research and stuff like that. Um, so a couple of things. Um, I liked, and again, a bit of continuity. I liked how the Dirty White Boys tried to reverse the Irish whips, mm. uh, like Rock and Roll's like the Rock and Roll Express against DBRC and Dr. Death, but it didn't work. I like that. Um, uh, da, 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 da. What else did I say? Oh, yeah, I, I queried why Dutch Brantel was watching. He was just standing there. Uh, great way to counter the scarf and double drop it. <laughs> yes. However, I would like to... I know I know. we'd had 15 minutes of um, of, of sort of like non, non-wrestling uh, like stuff on the show. But I, I, I would have quite happily seen that go another three, four minutes. Big time. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, almost there, I say I'd like to see him to go to a 10 minute time limit draw. I thought it would. Yeah. I, think, I think they've got some real chemistry. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm hoping. I, it does, I've had a look on YouTube right now, and there doesn't seem to be as much stuff from the Sam Houston Coliseum. All of the Sam Houston Coliseum events were taped, and then someone found them in like a. Um, Someone found them in like an air conditioned storage unit about 10 years, 10, 15 years ago. And they, most of these are available, but I don't think there's quite as much from 85 on YouTube as it was uh, um, 84. But if there was, you'd be able to find a Rock and Roll Express versus Dirty White Boys, like 15 minute match and all this stuff, all the feuds and stuff you can you can find throughout the course of the year. Um, but alas, I'm not sure that there is one of those. Um, oh, so yeah, just just when things couldn't get any any better. Steve Williams is in ring next in the semi-final of the TV title tournament. His opponent, a replacement for Hacksaw Jim Duggan, was the snowman. It would have been slightly fairer if this spot had gone to someone that was already in the tournament, in my view. The snowman was Eddie Crawford, known also in his career as Killer and Dr. Detroit. He had a brief run in Memphis in 1984 before coming into Mid-South in April 1985. And he spent the latter part of his career in the USWA and even once held the USWA Unified World title for a little over two months, but no-showed a title defence in August 1990 and stripped for the belt. Unfortunately, he didn't no-show this match against Steve Williams. Um, he was tall and had a pretty good body and I could see why he got pushed and a few ch- and a f- basically got a few chances in places. What said they spotted the snowman wrestling in Little Rock, Arkansas, um, and they invited... I always find Arkansas a funny word. It just doesn't It doesn't sound as it's spelled at all, does it? And I often butcher Oklahoma as well when I'm trying... I find Oklahoma far harder to spell than uh, Arkansas, and I very much apologise that, Phil, if you're listening. So, yeah, I will try and get better about um, spelling yeah, your home of, state. I can't think of any other words ending in A-S that are pronounced... pronounced so, or, yeah. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? But I suppose that English is full of kind of uh, little foibles like that. So basically, yeah, they spotted him in Little Rock, Arkansas, and they invited him into Mid-South. So the snowman hit Williams with some shockingly bad-looking shoulder checks and then a power slam for the sickening clean-as-a-whistle win in 135. This is the sort of outcome that would have led to me having an absolute meltdown for about four (laughs) weeks on Twitter in 1985. I can't believe they did this to Williams against what seemed to be such a limited opponent. Um, Stu, first, what did you make of the snowman's Mid-South television debut here? Yuck. No comment. <laughs> uh, well, I, 
I mean, I, I, I did a bit of research and you, you, you picked up on a little bit of it as well. But I, I picked up that he, he would, he'd been trained by Jerry Lawler as well. Wow, okay. Good um, job Lawler did with him. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything to say. No, so <laughs> all, 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 I, all I thought was that um, the first thing that sort of like came to my mind is, is are they trying to sort of like recreate the, the popularity that Junkyard Dog had? Yes. Um, yeah. I, I, I saw some sort of like parallel. I'm thinking, are they, are they you know, trying to, you know, because obviously, you know, he, he left and, and just trying to drum that, that sort of like popularity back up, if you know what I mean. But there was, there's just not a lot to say. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you, you, you've, 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 you've nailed it with that because they tried an issue of Master G, Brickhouse Brown. That, that, they, 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 Bill Watts was a, you know, a big believer in, um, you know, black number one baby face basically was a, was a thing that, um, you know, we, we, throughout his booking career actually in terms of Ron Simmons and WCW and giving sort of black athletes opportunities, which is, you know, obviously fantastic. But he, um, he, j- he just couldn't quite get there in terms of finding a replacement for Junkyard Dog. And we, we've obviously seen Brickhouse Brown as being pushed. And Brickhouse Brown's got a million times more talent than this guy. Uh, but Mark, what did you make of this, uh, this debut for the snowman here? Uh, well, first impressions of both men as Jim Ross was doing the introductions. Um, Dr. Death looked absolutely jacked pacing in his corner. Um, I said last week about the the athletes that they've got on the roster right now that are in great shape and putting on really good matches is is certainly noticeable. Uh, and then and then cut to the other corner and the snowman had short hair, mustache, long tights and chains around his neck. He just needed thump written on the back of those tights. He'd have the full junkyard dog starter kit. Um, but yeah, it, well, it was a complete squash, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Doctor Death never got out of the blocks. He was bumping around all over him, for him, uh, before being beat with the big power slam. And Snowman was barely even out of breath afterwards. Um, you could argue that Doc was caught off guard as he didn't know who his opponent would be, but it was still a shocking surprise and not a very pleasant one. No, not at all. Uh, Mike Jackson and Brad Armstrong next up against the Freebirds, who got who got the crowd off their feet in Shreveport, and they were out to their classic Bad Street song. And this was the first Freebird appearance in Mid South TV, I believe, for around five years. And this was Hayes and Roberts in this match. And Watts said in two weeks that Ric Flair, the NWA World Champion, would be there live and in living colour. Also, next week would be the Snowman versus Jake Roberts for ten thousand dollars in the TV title. Armstrong threw three drop kicks, two of which were something to behold. And the last one wasn't bad at all. What said that the Freebirds either loved or hated as Hayes smashed out a casual casual moonwalk. And what said that Jackson was a little small for these heavyweights, but he wants to be there and has a lot of heart. Hayes won with a bulldog on Jackson, a really fun four minutes and 16 seconds. Um, Mark, thoughts on the Freebirds' return to Mid-South Wrestling? Well, uh, Brad Armstrong got a very positive reaction, which you'd expect because he usually did. But I was surprised by the heel Freebirds also getting a mostly positive reaction. Uh, The camera zoomed into one guy in the crowd wearing a Bad Street USA shirt. I was hoping it would be Hayes and Gordy, but it was Hayes and uh, Roberts. Um, When Michael Hayes tagged in, uh, it was after a fun start with Roberts and Armstrong, and then his strutting and moonwalking went down very well with this crowd. Yes. Um, And there was, in the middle of the match, there was a great spot to switch momentum where... Jackson hit a excellent flying head scissor on Buddy Roberts towards his corner. 
Then he went for a second one nearer the Freebirds corner and the timing and positioning couldn't have been any better as Michael Hayes on the apron punched him in the mouth mid-move. It was really well done. <laughs> right. um, and then towards the end there, Freebirds did a very unusual double-team move where Hayes threw Mike Jackson into the top of Buddy Roberts' head and then yeah. um, finished with the running bulldog out the corner for the pin. Yeah, I, very enjoyable. Stu, uh, what do you think of this? And also, who do you think was more popular with the ladies in 1975, Michael Hayes or Ricky Morton? Oh, I think, I think, uh, oh, oh, uh, oh. I thought he was going to ask me uh, uh, Michael Hayes or Mike Jackson. I was going to say, that's a no-brainer, <laughs> no that one. So, uh, I've got to say Michael Hayes. Yeah, I say Michael Hayes. So, I think he had more of the edge, probably, didn't he? I think. Yeah, I, I just, I just wrote Michael Hayes is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so pretty much, basically, what you guys said: two great drop kicks by Brad Armstrong. Uh, Love the Michael moonwalk. Uh, you know the flying head scissor, as Mark mentioned. Um, crowd were loving the free birds. Loved the uh, it all broke down. Loved the 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 face uh, so like planted his face onto Buddy Rogers' head. Then the bulldog to finish and yeah, great. Loved it again. Wish it would have been a bit longer. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, it, it it is what it is, and it was it was good fun. I just like to know how old Mike Jackson is because they were saying he's quite young. But my God, he's uh, yeah, he's got he's got a, he's got a bigger crown than what I've got. So I think uh, he's, he's, he's in his early seventies now because yeah. he wrestled last year on Impact. Um, and it's on YouTube. You should have a look at that, Stu, if you if you're interested. He was okay. doing he was doing hurricane runners, tope dives, and everything. In really? His 70s. Yeah, against Johnny Swinger, Swing, wasn't it? Yeah. Hope, yeah. hope for me yet. Then hope for me. Yeah. He. Um, so what that make him um, mid mid thirties back then? Then I guess. Yeah, must be. Yeah, must be. So late thirties. Yeah, late mid to late thirties. I guess. Yeah, mid mid thirties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So. Where are we? Next Next up, the snake, Jake Roberts, as the key said, going up against the returning Mark Reagan. And we hadn't seen Reagan on TV since June 1984, with him having runs in Florida, Memphis, and appearances in World Class in the meantime. Watt said that next week we see an exciting new video on Brickhouse Brown that Joel has put together. Reagan actually flipped out of a backdrop in this, which he just about managed to land, but I was nervous for a moment. And then Roberts um, dropped Reagan stomach first over the top rope and then followed with his DDT for the win in 3.35. Shoot, any thoughts on this Roberts versus Reagan encounter? Yeah, um, I thought there's some great scoop slams in it. Uh, I loved, obviously, Jake's trash trash talking. Well, I did like it again. This is playing on the continuity from last week. Uh, so, like, Mark Reagan went back to the arm and and almost, so they played a little bit on the the, the sort of like the, the damage that Jake's arm got in the match against Armstrong last week. Um, but, yeah, and then I just put DDT and that's all she wrote. So Yes, uh, indeed. So, yeah. And a very good DDT as well. And Mark, any thoughts on this? Uh, I noticed Dirty Dirt was um, at ringside again as I mentioned last week I'm eager to see what he's going to get involved in after we've mm. only seen him in a few squash match- matches so far uh, and it was noticeable that Jake started the match with a body slam I thought it's because thinking back through his WWF career I don't remember him picking up his opponents very often for power moves that wasn't his style at all so it no. stood out that he did a body slam there no absolutely um D.B. and Williams were up next against Steve Case and Ken Glover. I thought this was odd that they didn't have Williams have to do the tag match before he'd been squashed. So Paul Williams having to come back out here after his destruction at the hands of the snowman. Um, Ken Glover, I don't think I'd seen before. And looking at his physique and ring attire, I didn't think he had much chance in this match. 
Um, Watts then went off on a tangent about other promotions and commentators even getting in there. But these guys in the Mid-South were in shape. I thought Glover had particularly pale legs, but then realised that he had a purple singlet on and white tights, which was odd. Um, Watts said they were not part of the NWA, the AWA or the WWF, but they were inviting who they considered to be the world champion in Ric Flair on the show. Watts said he saw him go one hour with no falls against Kerry Von Erich. He said he's seen the champion of the WWF. And if he had to go one hour, he'd end up in a pine box. He's a big guy. And if he took away the certain things he takes, he'd probably only weigh 150 pounds. I think Mr. Watts was alluding to the infamous Titan Sports protein shakes here. Um, DiBiase won this match by figure four. Uh, Mark, any thoughts on the match? And more importantly, another great rant from Watts. The only thing I wrote down here was um, Steve Casey got another big crowd pop when he was introduced, same as he did last week. And then I wrote down pretty much uh, word for word what Bill Watts was saying about Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. So we've already covered that. Wow. Stu, any thoughts on the match or the uh, the the always great Bill Watts? I hate everyone yeah, nothing, else, nothing, nothing further to add on the uh, the Bill Watts bit, really, apart from what you guys have said. Uh, I, I picked up what Mark said about Steve Casey got a nice pop. Um, I felt a bit sorry for him because as soon as Ken Glover got in the ring, it was just. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I think I think at the term, Vienna, yeah. I think, I think the term I was looking for is called making up the numbers. You're almost yes. like it's like you it's like you're the last one to be picked to play football at PE or something like that. <laughs> um, but it was a complete squash, as as it should be. Yeah. So yeah. yeah no, no, no question, no qualms there. But again, Steve. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I like Steve Casey. Casey's yeah. good, yeah. Casey's definitely good. But I feel like I don't like the shift of him. He's lost a few matches now. He's on. They do sometimes put a, like a more of a name guy in with enhancement talent on a tag team. But I don't like his chances in terms of his, his positioning at the moment, really. Um, what said they need to take a moment of sadness as they replayed the video I've seen at least twice with Duggan, uh, which I wasn't planning on recapping again, unless either of you wanted to jump in with any thoughts. And I don't know if you've seen this Duggan video uh... previously. All I put is, is I fast-forwarded through it. <laughs> that's exactly, that's fine. Mark, I suppose you must have seen this before as well, so we'll, uh, we'll head forward. Um, I'm not sure if I have, actually. Oh, really? Uh, made, okay. No, I made a couple of small Go ahead, then. There. Go ahead, um, yeah. Well, one of them that's not not relevant, really. Um, amongst the footage, there was Duggan ripping Crusher Khrushchev's Russian flag. And that's from one of the very first episodes I reviewed with you on here. Oh, okay, great, yeah. Uh, he nearly turned Bobby Eaton inside out with a clothesline. I enjoyed that one. And uh, driving his Jeep through big puddles was a common theme throughout yes. the video. <laughs> we cut briefly back to Boyd and Watts. And Watts shared the address again for anyone who wants to, to write their well wishes to and uh, best, you know, get well soon to Jim Duggan. Boyd talked about the Snowman versus Jake Roberts final next week but stumbled and said Williams first. And then he couldn't get it out that the young announcer, Joel Watts, would be there either. And that's it. The May 11th, 1995 episode of Mid-South Wrestling is in the books and another packed and newsworthy show. We've got new tag team champions. We had the great Duggan bedside interview. We had the nightmare beating... No, we didn't have the nightmare beating Steve Williams. We had the snowman beating Steve Williams <laughs> in a minute and a half. And another great rant from Bill Watts. This I'm getting as bad as Boyd Pierce there with messing stuff up. Um, another great rant from Bill Watts, this time squarely directed at Mr. Hulk Hogan. Stu, what are your final thoughts on this episode? I love this episode. It was my favourite episode that I've oh, seen. Oh, really? Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The... the, the, the the match quality wasn't as good as um, 
as obviously the previous the previous week um you know but um but it, it's just all the other the other stuff that was going on I, I, yeah i really really enjoyed it yeah loved it good stuff mark your final thoughts on this uh, may 11th 1985 episode uh, I lost you for a while there, so I'm sorry if I'm covering old ground here, but um, I like the contrast between last week's show and this week's show. Um, after seven matches and little else last week, you know, we got almost 20 minutes into this show before the first live match for the live crowd. And then the th- three out of the five matches here were tag matches uh, of, of pretty good quality. And we got one of Joel's music videos as well. So, um nice variety week to week you're not seeing the same stuff following the same uh format each time yeah definitely i I think this um after a few kind of iffy weeks and i don't think any any if you watch the raw from 1998 you get plenty of kind of not much going on shows you can't have every single week an episodic wrestling television fantastic but the last two weeks have been very very strong so we've got one more week of mark Stu, and i coming up for the may 18th 1985 episode of Mid-South Wrestling. And if you've not enjoyed us so far, then tough luck. Thanks for listening, and we shall speak to you all again very, very soon. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, why not head over to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button, follow on Spotify, or press whatever you need to where you listen to this show to receive the episodes as soon as they are released. We love reviews at Mid-South Moments, so why don't you make my day by leaving a five-star rating? Also, if you're interested in guest hosting in the future, please do reach out at Mid Moments on Twitter and I look forward to speaking with you all again very, very soon.